Hello and thank you for joining us on the Praise Christian Center podcast. I am Pastor Kofi Banfo and I'm here with my wife Jane. We hope you enjoy today's message and are blessed by it. Please remember to connect with us on social media and through our website. Enjoy. Let's just go back to a quick review. We defined purpose, or I did say that purpose is the deepest longing and craving of every human spirit. Every human being, whether they know God or not, has a longing within their heart to find relevance and significance in their life. And we seek out to answer the question of who I am, why I am here, what am I here, and when will all of my life come together? We seek to answer what I call these four existential questions through the way we engage with our lives. So we ask and answer the question of purpose consciously and unconsciously. By the way you live every day, how you relate with your environment, your world, you're really wanting to have some relevance to your life, some meaning to the life that you live. But we discovered from the word of God that God has given us a purpose. You know, we, we looked at Ephesians in the Message Bible 3 verse 11, the Bible says that it is in Christ, just reviewing, that we find out who we are, our who. Identity is consequential to your purpose. So we find out who we are in Christ. Long before the scripture says we heard of Christ and had our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Part of the overall purpose that he's working out. And that's process that we're going to look at. He's working out your purpose in everybody and everything. So you have a God-given purpose. And I really am trusting God through these teachings. Really, many of you might know that you have a purpose. Some of you might not. But my goal and my heart, prayerfully, is to awaken the largeness of your purpose. And that your purpose also is, is, is lines up with the overall purpose of our God. Because if all of us woke up every day intentionally, living our purpose, what a world, what a day, what a life we would have. Hallelujah. So I want to just challenge you and encourage you. And even for those of you where the passion for your purpose somehow has waned, to, I want God, the Holy Spirit, to awaken that in you. And, and that you will leave here in the next few weeks really challenged and encouraged. So come with me, if you can, to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It's the founding text I used last week, amen? And then we'll continue from there. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I beg your pardon. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. For it is he who delivered and saved us, and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it not because of anything of merit that we have done, free grace. Everything was by free grace. But it is because of and to further, there it is, his own purpose, which was given to us in Christ Jesus even before the world began ages ago. 
God saved us. We read from the word of God. He saved us first. And I said last week that many Christians do not have a problem with being saved. Many of us live this saved life, but God wants us to live not just saved life, but called and purposeful lives. That you're not just saved, but he actually called you. And the calling and the purpose on your life and my life was actually set before he even created the world. We just read it. So whatever has happened or has in your past or your present or whatever past challenges or experiences that have happened in your life, guess what? Your purpose was set before that. So you can step into that purpose anytime you're ready. You know, I always say this, that God holds all our dreams and our aspirations in like a big treasure trove. He has it ready. He holds it out. And he's waiting for you and I to mix it with faith and say, Lord, I'm willing to take it out of your hands. Because we saw in Revelation, I read that to you last week, that even before the woman gave birth, the dragon was waiting, had stationed himself just so that he would kill her child before it was born. And that's what the enemy does, does in our life. He wants to destroy that purpose. He knows that purpose is tied to God's eternal purposes. Because when you know that your purpose, the reason for your being on this earth, has eternal consequences, it will change how you live your life. It will change how you live, how you relate. Because purpose enlarges your life. When you wake up with purpose, every morning when you and I wake up, we have two choices. When your alarm goes off, you can either hit the snooze button, start the day with procrastination, go back to sleep and dream, or you can wake up and go and chase those dreams in your heart. And somebody say hallelujah. You have a choice every morning. But purpose awakens you. It just energizes you. Because the reason for your being is enlarged within your heart. Hallelujah. So we are saved. We are called by God. And last week, I, we also established that God didn't only save us, but he also put something in our hand. We read from Exodus, um, just by a short recap, the life of Moses. Moses knew inherently that he was a deliverer. Because he tried to deliver the, the Israelites before his time. He knew it. Like most of us, we know there's something bigger than the life you're living now. Where you are now is not your destination. It's just on the way to where you're going. You know it. Something, if you're a child of God, something inherent in you knows that there's something big in your heart. Amen. And Moses knew it. Just that like he moved before his time. Because purpose has timings attached to it. And we're going to look at that when we look at process. So God said to Moses, eventually, when he had the burning bush experience, as we describe it, what did Moses do? Moses said, I can't go, I can't do it. And God said, what is in your hand? And I challenge you last week as we share the word of God that what is in your hands? Because every person has something in your hand. So God puts purpose first in our heart. So what is in our heart is usually very remote because it's this huge thing that we want to do, right? It's huge in our heart. It's sacred what's in your heart. And then what is in your hand is what you do Monday to Friday if you're punching computers or whatever job you're doing. So we, what we do is that we diminish what is in our hands, saying, oh, I'm just doing this job because one day in my heart I want to go to the nations or one day I want to do something. But there are nations living next door to you. Hallelujah. So we saw what God wants us to do 
is that we marry or match what is in our hands with what is in our heart. As different as they can be, they both work together for you to release your purpose or step into your purpose. Somebody say amen. amen. So we need to what? Esteem what is in our hand. Whatever we're doing, esteem it. God put it there. It's part of his overall plan and purpose for your life. Hallelujah. And so then we looked at the fact that, because I want to build this foundation for where we're going today, that Genesis 1.28, you don't have to turn to it. I'm still reviewing that God, the Bible says, and God blessed them. Speaking of Adam and Eve, his first creation, which is God's first words to his creation and us as well. The Bible says, and God blessed them. And God says, be fruitful, multiply, and increase. Use all the vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the earth. So God's first words over our lives was fruitfulness, multiplication, dominion. So if we're not being fruitful and we're not seeing multiplication in areas of our life, because barrenness in any area, whether in the womb or any area, it's not God's portion for us. So we need to step into that, release that, that, that. But however, we saw that even though he spoke fruitfulness, multiplication and increase over our lives, everything that God does, he starts with a seed. You, you see that through the Bible. You know, even taking the life of Jesus Christ, he came as a baby. God had the might and the power to have brought Jesus fully grown, showing us process and progression. And even when Jesus, before he released his earthly ministry, in John, he said to his mother, my time has not come. Speaking of timing, and we saw that last week we read what? To every season and every reason under heaven, there is a time. So purpose is released in process. Are you with me so far? Amen. So, and we were going to see that God is a God of process. Ecclesiastes 3.1. We're talking about process today. That if we believe in the seed principle, then success really in God is not an overnight thing. Success in God is not how many houses you have amassed, what you have achieved. Success in, in God is what have you done. It's not how well have you lived. How many parties have you gone to? It's how, what have you done? That's what he's going to say. That's success in God. Ecclesiastes 3, if you please, verse 1. God is a God of process. So process means that he we take that seed in our heart, that gifting, that endowment, that passion, whatever God has put in our heart, and whatever is in our hand to start wherever you are. Wherever you are, that purpose it's not something you release like a thunderbolt moment of your life. Boom, that's your purpose. But purpose is what? Every day in the mundane, everyday task of our lives, we see what I call the God factor. That this morning, God is using me right now. That whether I'm bathing my children, God is using me right now because what? I am training and releasing the next generation. And not minimize even that parenting task. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. So as soon as we come into this world, because God lives, 
in one perpetual now. God lives outside of time. But as soon as we come into this world and we enter this kind of time, chronological time, and so, but to everything and to see the full manifestation of God's purpose for your life is going to take time. It's a process to get you to where you need to get there. Purpose, I shared that with you last week. When you have a purpose, underneath that purpose is vision. Because vision from the word optica is about seeing and sight. So my definition of vision is a picture of a preferred future. A picture. So what purpose does is that it kind of unearths this vision that, oh, I can see, I can do this with my life. Oh, I can see God's called me to this. It brings vision. And what vision does is that it's what? It, it's, it helps you to organize and have a goal. Do you get it? So out of vision, you draw them goals. So I, my goal is to finish today asking you five life coaching questions to clarify where you are now and where you want to go. Amen? So, so from what we looked at, Process is defined as this. Process is creating a picture. Webster's Dictionary definition. Process is creating a picture by combining elements that are not ordinarily related. By creating a picture. Remember, process is what? It's the how-to, the strategy of working out our God-given purpose. And process cannot be eliminated from purpose. But you, you go through a process. Christians don't like process. People don't like process. I work as a therapist. People that stay in counseling, some leave because they don't like process. It's the same time every week, seeing the same person. But emotional healing, check your Bible. Emotional healing is always going to be a process. Because it took a lifetime for those thoughts those emotions, those be limiting beliefs to be what? Grounded on your heart. It's not going to go in a day. We're going to see a scripture that, 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 that um, found, um, establishes this point I'm making about it's not going to take a day. You know, but we don't like process. We want to, people want overnight success. You know, we see lots of young people especially because a few of them have been successful on the internet with all kinds of vlogging um, 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 jobs and careers. People want success overnight. Check out statistics, how many people are really having that overnight success. I know somebody even right now who had that overnight success and right now has spent the last year getting healed in the drug camp because they couldn't contain. The character process was not there to hold and sustain that success. Just run your race. Run your race, your purpose, and stay in there. Hallelujah. So process is what? Creating a picture by combining elements. That means that the things will come on your journey, on the way to your purpose. Things will happen to you. And all of the elements are not ordinarily combined. I can think of when I'm cooking, the kind of things that I bring sometimes to a dish, they are not really related together. Or I can think of my mother. What my mother used to do when we were growing up was that if she made this food and you didn't eat it and there was some left, she will mix it with the food from the next day. And then when you ask her, it tastes good though, but you know it's weird. You say, Ma, Ma, what are we eating? She says, double distilled. 
I'm serious. And then when that doesn't get finished, we even have had triple distilled. My brother is in the back row and he will raise his hand and say it is the truth. We don't know what was in it. It tastes good. Or sometimes it doesn't taste good. But guess what? You know it's good for you. It's like process. Some of the elements that come to combination, come to bear on the way to our purpose are not so great. You know, that's why Hannah Whittle Smith says, God is good. No matter what happens, God is good. You know, and she says that a great many things in God's divine providences does not look like goodness to the eye. However, my faith will sit down in matters such as this and say, whatever happens, God is good. I will wait for his explanations. I will wait. Hallelujah. God is good. So process is some of the things on the journey. You don't know. It happens. Come with me to Romans 8, 28. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 28. I read, and we are assured. And no, assurance means that a, a confident knowing. And the Bible says we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor God is walking with you, friends. He's walking with you and I through all your labor. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 10, what? He has preordained good works for you to do as part of the outworking of your purpose. But he doesn't leave you alone. He is what? Walking with you. God or being a partner in their labor. All things. Say all things. All things. Even the bad things, all things work together for good and are fitting into a plan for good. It is always going to be for your good. And for those who love God and are called according to what? His design and purpose. Last week I read you the Urban Dictionary definition of, of, of masterpiece that you are created you are a one-off limited edition person created by a divine God to fulfill a purpose just for you. Just for you. And another definition or synonym said that, no, are you God's master people? You are God's showpiece. You are God's gem. That's who you are. That's the word of God. So God wants your life every day to show off what he has put in your heart and your hands, simple. That's all. It's not complicated purpose. And then he, he has put in your heart an abundant, overflowing life that every morning you can release. Amen. So everything is what? Working together according to what? His design and purpose. Even some of the not so good things. In the book, The Dream Giver, I've used this before, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. I think he describes process the best way. So I'll tell you the story. In The Dream Giver, he says that, it begins by saying that there is a certain person, it could be you, it could be me, called ordinary, just like us without Jesus. And then he puts this abundant life in us. So ordinary leaves his family, his friends. In, from, he's from the land of familiar. 
John Maxwell says, all of our dreams are outside our comfort zone. Therefore, in order to fulfill your dreams, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. And until you step out of your comfort zone, God cannot be your comfort. So ordinary leaves the land of familiar. So the land of familiar, if we could break it down, speaks of the limiting beliefs, he, dealing with he himself, the negative thoughts and things about himself. It's about your, having that meeting with yourself. So he leaves the land of familiar and goes to search for his dream. And the first place that he encounters is called the wasteland. The wasteland is those times or moments on our journey toward our purpose when God appears silent. Note my description. Not that God isn't speaking, but the way we experience him because of what we're going through, we think he's not speaking. So in the wasteland, God appears silent. And in the dream giver, Bruce Wilkinson says that it is the place where God transforms you into the person who can do your dream. In that wasteland of nothingness, it seems like things are still happening in your heart. Like when you put a seed in the ground and you can't see what is happening in the depths of the soil. Are you with me, church? So you're wondering, is this going to happen? Will I get married? Will I get this job? Will I be this person? Something is happening, child of God, in the ground. So in the wasteland, through the things you go through, through the discouragement, it is the place where you learn to trust him. I put in my notes that it is the place where you really know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Not going to be. What does a shepherd do? Shepherd leads, guides the sheep. That means that if he's guiding, then he needs to be in front. Amen. Then he'll feed you. Then he'll guide you. That's what Psalm 23, he talks about the wasteland. We can write down Psalm 42 verse 3 as well. Because the wasteland is where we experience like what David said, my tears have been my food day and night. And people say, where is your God? You had those moments in your life? Me too. Where you think your prayer is hitting up there, but really it's gone. It seems like. But in those moments, something is also happening in you, fortifying you. Then he, in the book, he talks about that after the wasteland, you, you go to the land of the giants where things bigger than you confront you. But he says in the book that in the land of the giants, you see God do miracles that you can't answer. And, 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 and things happen where God delivers you miraculously in the giants. But he says that in the land of the giants, God wants to get all the glory. It's not you who did it. You brought yourself out. It's not your degree or your, your amazing talent. You learn because of what happened in the wasteland, so to speak. You're growing. So you learn to give God glory even though you're facing giants. Then he says that from the sanctuary, from the um, giants, so you go to the wasteland, the sanctuary, then you go to the sanctuary. And he says that the sanctuary, I put it here in my notes, that it can be defined 
as the revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 4, where God said to John, come up here. Because in the sanctuary, it's about a coming up. A coming up, a lift to really get you. There's a lift that comes. And in the sanctuary, it's an invitation from God where God will ask you to surrender your dream, the things in your heart. You know how God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, a stick. And God said, put it down. In the sanctuary or in that season of our lives, if we could use in his description, is those seasons and moments in your life where God wants you to put the dream down. You say, why? But I thought he put a purpose in my heart. He doesn't want that dream or that desire, whatever he has put in your heart to become an idol. Just like Abraham. He said to Abraham, kill Isaac. After waiting all that long to have Isaac, God says, kill Isaac. Kill it. And sometimes, friends, you have to put that thing down. That you want so much that you can't live without it. Because the only person or the only thing that you can't live without you and I is Jesus. I want to get married. I want to get married. I can't live. I need a man. I need a man. He says, put it down. Put that desire down. Not that he wouldn't give it to you. Put it down. Where you can't function, you can't live because of that. So in sanctuary, it's an invitation. Come up higher. So your desires, your longings take second place. He says, come up. And I don't know whether we are ready. We speak about, we want the lift. We want the raise. But do we really want it? Because it will mean a cutting away and a putting away, hallelujah, of certain things. So in sanctuary, that's what God does. So this, this whole thing is speaking about process, about how God takes you through process. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. It's a good book to read, The Dream Giver. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. People don't read much these days, I hear. Wow. Anyway, that's for another day. For a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me. There a great and promising one, and there are many adversaries. I think the whole process that I've just described that the author speaks about in the dream giver can, is, is succinctly put together in these verses of scripture. Paul says, for a wide door of opportunity for effectual service. Because all of the purpose, the things in our heart, our desires, our longings, and the gifts we have, they are to be used for effectual service. For who? For our God first. Then he goes on to say, but nevertheless, I have this opportunity open to me. But there are many adversaries. Sometimes people pray to get this particular job that they so desire. Then they go there and then they say, my boss doesn't like me. A great door of opportunity has opened for you, friend. But there is going to be an adversary. It is a door of opportunity. It's a door of obligation. And it is a door of, of responsibility. There will be opposition. But it's an obligation. It's also an opportunity for you to what? To grow. We always want to take jump out of anything that's hard. 
We are soldiers, the Bible describes it. We are soldiers. We need a soldier mentality, especially in the times that we are in. As a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, and even a natural soldier, sometimes cannot control all the circumstances that come in front of him. But a soldier says this, I am ready to do the best I can with wherever I'm located or positioned. That's who you are, you're a soldier. We're soldiers. We need to have that soldier mentality, which is perseverance. You hold on to that dream, that thing in your heart. Because even though a door has opened, you must be willing to make sacrifices. I call it you must sacrifice momentary pleasures for long-term success and effect. Momentary pleasures. Just momentary pleasures. You know, I like to put it this way. Why shouldn't we work for Jesus? We're going to get a lot of sleep when we get to heaven. Yep. What do you think we're going to do? Worshipping and all of that. We're not going to be working. Because I did ask God one day in my prayers, can I be in charge of cleaning in heaven? Because I love cleaning. And I'm thinking the streets are paved with gold and all that. They won't need my bleach and all the things that I buy up there. So let's do the work now. Hallelujah. You know, we need, we need to know that if you want something long term, we've got to give up something. Come to Exodus 23. Hallelujah. Process, process. God is a God of process. Nothing just happens. The suddenness in the Bible are far and few in between. Mostly God took people on a journey and process. Hallelujah. Exodus 23. Verse 27, how long will it take? Oh God, how long will I be before I become a CEO when I'm 25? How long? Yeah, everybody, I love Facebook. Oh, have you seen Facebook? I'm on Facebook. I tried to face the book, but I don't do very well. But everybody's a CEO of so-and-so ministry, a CEO in charge. Everybody's a CEO. I'm wondering, so who are the people that are under them? If everybody's a CEO, Wow. I love the confidence of the world we're in. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen it? I know Facebook is for dinosaurs like me, the 50-year-olds, and the young people are on Instagram. I'm coming on Instagram next year. Oh, I'm going to be instant. Oh, oh yeah. And I'm going to tweet, tweet, tweet like a bird. You watch me. Are you in Exodus 23? We're talking about process. Verse 27. I will send my terror before you. This is God taking the Israelites to the promised land. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people to whom you shall, you shall come. And I will make all your foes turn from you in flight. Notice God is the one going to do it. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before you. Because you... When you start this journey are not and do not have the character strength to take out the ites, the Jebusites, the ites, the Canaanites, the, the Kilbanites, the Bananites, the people in the, in the, in the uh, Battersealites, those on your way, you can't take them all out. There are going to be lots of ites on the way. And look at what God says. I'm the one going to take out the ites. And then he says this in verse 29. I will not drive them from before you in one year. Instant success. I will not drive them from before you in one year. Oh, I will bring you. 
child of God, to that purpose. Oh, I will enlarge your territory. Oh, multiplication and increase. That's my words over your life. But he says, I will not do that in one year. Lest the land become desolate for lack of attention. And the wild beasts multiply against you because you will be overwhelmed with that success. You can't contain it. You can't contain it. Little by little. Tell your neighbor, little by little. Did you see it or is it in your Bible? Little by little. Oh, you're going quiet on me now. I said, little by little, I will drive them out before you until what? You have increased and are numerous in strength because you and I are not strong yet to take out on the land. We're not. Killbone for Jesus. Here we come. Can we take just this neighborhood? You see how process happens. Hallelujah. It says little by little. If nothing goes into your heart, young person, especially today, do not look at the people on Instagram, on whatever media forum, sharing, look at it, sharing all their instant success. But you, my dear friend, you, my dear young person, your God sent me to tell you this morning, oh, he will drive out the, all the eyes from before you. But he says he will not do it in a year. Because they will overwhelm you, they will consume you. Why do you think we have so much mental health issues as well now? Why do you think? You know what mental health means? Mental means mind. So you're supposed to do your life, navigate it from here. When you can't do it from here, means you have moved out, you are on, it's, you're navigating life from the top of your head. Off the top of my head is this hair I bought in India, but nothing else. There's nothing on, off the, good on the top of our head. We call it psychosis. You're so scared to live in your head, so you live outside your head. So the psychiatrist moves in and charges the rent <laughs> and helps you get back, if to put it kindly. I'm not minimizing this. People are hurting because they want to engage with this wide, open, spacious life. But they want it, and they want it, and they want it all now. And God said, little by little, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to bring you in. We just sang about hope. The hope that we have is an embodied hope. That means it's real. It's, we can contain it in our system. It's not just any hope. He would do it for you. He has done it before. And he would do it again. You have to be flexible and resilient in process. First, it's going to be little by little. It takes time. But you have to be flexible and resilient. Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. I'm going to read it from the contemporary English version. Hallelujah. Process. You can write down, I don't have time to read it, because I want to get to these five coaching questions I want to share with you. So if you can write in notes, you can put on Ephesians 6.10, which is about being strengthened in his might, because that is what keeps you in process, is that your strength and your energy, you're energized by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within. And you can also write down 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 3. Did you get all those verses if you're writing notes? Ephesians 6, verse 10, and 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 3. I read now 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, from the contemporary English version. 
We often suffer, but we are never crushed. Hallelujah. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. That's resilience. You see, resilience is our spiritual immune system. And that immune system, like taking vitamins or anti-flu things, jab, in this winter season, your spiritual immune system is what fortifies your spirit. And you get that by being, where? In the face of the one who gave you purpose. That's how the eagle renews himself. The eagle, that's what, the eagle goes to the sun. If you've listened to my teaching on eagle, it goes to the sun when it's tired and life has beaten it up and, all, and, and there's so many, much mud on, in its claws and all its feathers are sticky. The eagle flies to a high place, speaking to us of going to the God. A high place, come up, God told John in Revelation 4. The eagle flies to that high place and then it lies in the sun. Then it, it sometimes plucks out all of its feathers. If it's a full-grown eagle, you've heard me share this before, over 450 feathers. It plucks up all these feathers, painful process of going through process. And then it looks for a cool, refreshing stream. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still and restful waters. Why do you think he compares you and I to the eagle? The eagle finds this cool stream after it's taken away all its feathers. Then it washes all the stuff from life. The bad words spoken to, to you at, by your boss, what people have spoken, what parents who didn't know what to say, who diminished you. It washes. And then it goes back and it lies in the sun, sometimes for 30 days, waiting, process, waiting for those feathers to grow back again. Hallelujah. We never give up because the power of God in us. And the Bible says in times of trouble, God is with us. I think that is the bit that we also need to get in process. When we're going through process or those hard places or even the good times, it's that you always have that sense that you are never alone. You're never alone. You can be alone in your house, but you're never alone. God is with us. And even though we are knocked down, the word of God says, we get up again. In the time that we have, I think I'm going to jump from what I was going to share. I want to leave you with five, what I call coaching questions that will bring you clarity. Pastor Kofi always says that, you know, when people say, well, I don't like counseling. He says, well, Sunday is the big counseling session. He said, the one that you do, Jane, is the one-on-one. So this is the big coaching session, free of charge. If you, I hope you gave an offering. <laughs> because nothing is free except Jesus. Five, I call it five coaching questions to bring clarity. I will touch on the rest of the stuff when I teach on, on passion. Five coaching questions to ask yourself to bring you clarity. To bring you clarity. The first coaching session or the first question to ask yourself in, in, in terms of process is own where you are now. Own where you are now. Where are you now in your life? Don't answer me. Answer yourself. Own where you are now. This is a 90-minute coaching session. I have 12 minutes left. 
own where you are now. The first phase of change is owning where you are because you cannot change what you don't own. Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24. Psalm 139 verse 1 is very interesting because in Psalm 139 verse 1, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. I always believe that that part of the psalmist sounds like just like you and I when we really don't want to engage with God or with our lives. So we say, God, you know. So the psalmist says, Search me, O God, you know my heart. But look at the tone in verse 23 and 24. You have se- you search me thoroughly, oh God, and, and I know my heart. The tone is different. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked or hateful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's about owning where you are and saying, God, or Psalm 25 verse 1 says, Unto you, O God, do I bring my life. That means, Lord, I'm bringing my life to you. And where it's at right now, knowing what you have put inside my heart is bigger than what I'm experiencing now. You've got to own where you are now. Number two, the second question to ask yourself, to bring clarity to where you are now, is take an honest inventory. Have that honest meeting with yourself. Honest meeting with yourself right now, right now, what is going well in your life and what is not going well and what areas, you know, when I study counseling, they call your weaknesses or areas that you need to come up higher, your growing edge. Where are the growing edge in your life? Evaluate your life. Take an honest inventory. This is between you and your God. You know, many of you who come to this church know this. I say this every year on my birthday, I go to Harrods. If I can find 20 pounds, I'm cool because that's enough for chicken. You say, why do you go to Harrods? You try eating chicken anywhere else. It's just the environment. Then I sit down with my phone. I have a meeting with myself. First of all, I go, happy birthday, Jane. You're such a nice girl. <laughs> then I go through. I do this every year. I have meetings with myself. My husband says he has not graduated to that. Of course, I don't talk audibly. Are you kidding me? So that they put me in some funny room. No. But I have my phone in front of me whilst I'm eating, and I'm very happy. I went there many years ago with my friend's son. He had just graduated university, and he came to London. His mom says he wants to go to Harris to buy souvenirs, as you do, and get the green bag, as we all do very much. Thank you. We all buy into the thing. We pretend we don't like it. We all like the green bag. It's only $8.50 or £10 that we can afford. You know. But anyway, who wants to walk around with a pound shop? I go there. But I don't want to carry their bag everywhere I go. Thank you. I go everywhere. I'm not lying. My husband will tell you. He said, please don't send me to that shop. (laughs) That's why I go on Mondays on my day off. It's so therapeutic. So therapeutic. No Harrods, the pound shop. Love it. I love it. Can you imagine? So anyway, so my friend's son is with me in in Harrods, and I said to him, I want to treat you, y'all, so come and have 
chicken with me because that's what I have there. I love the chicken or the, the thing on the skewers at the rotisserie. He said, oh, no, no, auntie, I don't want to eat. I want to go buy my presents and everything. So he goes off and I order my food. Well, there's, <laughs> the, the less, the merrier. Because <laughs> I don't have much anyway. So I'm eating my food and then I'm eating, I'm eating. Then he comes and I turn and I see him in the corner. And I say, yo, you're here. Why don't you come and join me? And then he comes, he says to me, he says, Auntie, I was just watching you. You look so happy. <laughs> and I said, Yao, it's only chicken. <laughs> I said, but Yao, it's the place I'm eating it at. It's the place I'm eating it at. So I have that honest meeting with myself because in that environment, I can take it when God says, you need to do this a bit. So have that inventory, hallelujah, of your life. You know, maturity is getting better at what you do. In that inventory of your life, study your patterns. What have been your patterns? What have been your patterns? Do you procrastinate? The word procrastinate from the Latin means for tomorrow. It means not making a decision. What have been your patterns? Study your patterns. Do you always leave jobs for a few months and it gets difficult then you leave? Or because it's hard there? What have been your patterns? I'm, I'm just saying study your patterns. Coaching is not about the past. When we coach people, we're not dealing with their past issues. We kind of think that by the time you see a life coach, you've dealt with the level of what I call your bagage. So coaching is more about releasing potential ability and talents inside of you. But you do it by asking questions. As a coach, I ask people the right kind of questions. I don't do the work for them. You ask questions that then clarifies and brings somebody into perspective. Are you getting that? So have that honest meeting with yourself. Number three is called the future question. The future question. Okay, so in the, in the future question it works like this. Five years from today, today is the seventh day of October, 2023. Everybody look at me. It is the seventh of October. Don't write, don't look on your phone, 2023. Five years that Jane Banfo kind of encouraged your hearts about passion and process. Nothing, no thing has changed in your life, in your relationships, your job, your kids, nothing. I want you to connect with your body. How does that feel inside? Nothing has changed. We are in 2023, 7th of October. Nothing has changed in your life. How does that feel inside? If you feel good, carry on with your life. If you feel disappointment, as she did, when I took this exercise five years ago in a clinical psychology workshop with other therapists, five years on, I said, God, if I don't even write one book, that would be a disaster. With all that you put in me, just one book at least. If you don't feel sick in your stomach, you're happy with your life. It's called the future question. Because the future question, what then that does is that, of course, God is the one working with us. But if in five years, your life is the same, you're still complaining about that husband, you are the one complaining, you haven't done nothing, updated your CV, you have not served in your church, you have done nothing, no thing. You've not changed your prayer life five years and you are happy in 2023, 7th of October be my guest. If not, it's called the future question. But the future question is supposed to ignite and fuel passion back. 
Because passion, I'm going to my teaching next week, is in your heart. Passion is from the Greek word enthusiasm, God within. And we'll stop there, passion. Okay. Number four. You get all the three so far? Number four. Fear. What is my biggest fear? One of the biggest obstacles to going for our dreams is fear. What are you yearning for in your life and haven't seen because you are afraid you will fail? Fear of failure, fear of not being ready, fear of not being good enough, fear of stepping out of your comfort zone. What is your biggest fear? You have to talk to fear because fear always lurks in the dark recesses of our mind. Anything that lurks in the darkness of our minds needs to be brought to the light. Jesus Christ. Once you face the fear and you put it in the light, who is Jesus? It diminishes its hold over you. Talk to fear. Say, hey, fear. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Talk to your fears. Bring it to the light. Because the spirit that inhabits you, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us, that's not, that's not a spirit of fear and what? Timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit in you is not a spirit of fear. Every promise in the Bible is given with a fear not. In that, in that it is scary to always come out and do anything new. It's scary. However, we proceed, we step into our purpose and we step in the knowledge and the assurance that God is with us. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of a calm and a well-balanced mind. So fear that disables you, fear is a spirit when it disables you. It's after your power, which is your faith. It's after your soundness of mind. And it's after the word of God in you. Deal with fear. The man with one Jesus told the parable of the man with the five talents, then the three, then the one. The one who had the one talent, who buried his talent. What did he say? He said, I was afraid. So fear stopped him, inhibited him from doing something with his talent or as we do with our abilities and talents. Number four. Number five. The last coaching question, number five. Is stepping into fear, into your purpose, what would you let go? What do you need to let go? Step into your purpose, letting go of what lies behind. Letting go every time you reach forward into any arena, to any level, any next level of your life. Guess what? As you reach forward, there's a pressure and an effort, right? To move forward. And so there's something that you've got to let go. And sometimes it might be the good things even in our lives. 
the past successes even can diminish you moving forward. So as you step into your purpose, you've got to let go. The apostle puts it succinctly by saying what? Forgetting those things that are behind. Now, I do understand that forgetfulness is not a human property. It's a divine property. But when the Bible says being forgetting, it means being selective with the memory. What you choose to reflect on and dwell on. You see, the power of choice is in something we call willpower. You know, I received this thing this week. I get stuff from a man called John Townsend. I've done their training in America for um, clinicians. And this is what it said. I want to read this portion to you about willpower. When people tell you about willpower, they say it's a choice. All you have to do is choose to get up earlier to pray. Choose to eat sweets. I'm adding some. They are missing the point. He says, the reality is that our chooser is really our willpower. You can't willpower your way to success and health. It's much more effective. He says, willpower as a mental mechanism that needs to be fed and developed into a strength. Willpower is a mental mechanism that needs to be fed and developed into a strength. Most people with great willpower are doing the behaviors that requires this. Let me break it down. Friday night, we're here. We're talking about boundaries with the young people crossing the line. And people say, but how do you get boundaries? I said, when you start establishing a boundary with your friend and said, I don't like the way you turn up late. Next time you turn up late, I'll wait five minutes and I'll go. You draw a line. Do you know that there are people when you draw the line and turn, that's your boundary, they will still say, oh, what about if I come seven minutes? What will you do? They push the line. Oh, can you lend me 10 pounds? No, I can't. What about five? They always push the line. But <laughs> there are people who don't hear boundaries. And they, they don't have one either, and they don't hear so I told the young people on Friday night, the way you establish and reinforce your boundaries, because your boundaries free you to, to be your life, actually. The way you get stronger is like exercise. The muscles are already there from the day a baby is born. However, what? The more you exercise, what happens? The more you strengthen. That's the same way as willpower. You don't say, but I will power, I'll get up and pray. I'm going for my purpose. That girl Jane crazy said, I'm going, I'm enlarging my territory. You can't will yourself. It's a mental mechanism that you feed. How do you feed it? I think the word of God. I think grace, knowing, understanding grace. His strength coming to you and energizing you. Many people have never given their body to the Lord. We give our mind, our spirit, your body, when it comes to food. I'm not teaching on food today. When I wrote the food course, nobody turned up. So I'm not going to give you that information. Yep, nobody needs that. You're getting a free coaching session anyway. I love you, but I haven't got time. I'm just out of time. Was that helpful? Yes. Hallelujah. Let me, let's bring this home. I have a little time. Let's, I stole some time. Let's bring this home. Many times we don't step into that purpose because of fear. But fear is an event. It's not a person. Without fear, how can you learn? Fear is what enables you to grow. You know, in Matthew 25, 21, you can write it down. 
The Bible says the master praised him. This is on the talents for his good work. So what do I want to close by saying? Begin the task that God has assigned you. I told you last week, Sunday, that I want us to close every Sunday of this teaching that I'm doing with John 17. So let's say it together. Just, I'm going to paraphrase it. Father, as Jesus said, I will glorify you here on earth by completing the task that you gave me to do. Whatever you're doing Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday, until I see you next Sunday, let it glorify God. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust you were blessed by today's message. And if you would like to sow into our ministry, you can visit our website to give a donation. God bless you. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to hear more messages.